I hear a lot from people that they're not sure whether the ingredients in our personal care and cleaning products, the air we breathe, water we drink, food we eat, and what's in our homes, do they really matter? What proof do we have that toxins are causing problems with our health? Sometimes the question is out of a genuine curiosity, and sometimes it's a bit of a passive-aggressive rhetorical question, and they're just waiting to debunk whatever I have to say. Often, it's women asking me so they can arm themselves for yet another argument with their partner. In this episode, I wanted to break down this search for proof and why it's messing with our ability to make real and impactful changes in our lives and future generations. It is a bit of a ranty episode, fair warning. I actually came up with the idea for it while lying in bed one night, not being able to fall asleep. This doesn't happen to me very often, but it happened to me recently. And yes, this is literally the kind of thing that will keep me up at night from time to time. It's why I've made it my life's work to help transform lives by educating and empowering people so they can lower their toxic load in their homes and bodies. So are you ready for a taste of what swirls around in my brain while trying to fall asleep and questioning the meaning of life? Let's go. Welcome to the Missing Pillar of Health podcast, the show that tackles the often misunderstood and underestimated topics related to toxins and their impact on our health and well-being. I'm your host, environmental engineer, mom of two, and founder of Green at Home, Emma Roman. My mission is to help you reduce toxins in your life without fear, judgment, or shame, so you can be more informed and empowered to take action on issues that matter to your health. The research is clear that toxic chemicals found in the products we use, food we eat, water we drink, and air we breathe are contributing to the rise of chronic illness, allergies, infertility, autoimmune disease, and more. The good news is you can reduce your exposure without having to drastically change your lifestyle, and I'm here to show you how. As Margaret Mead said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. I believe addressing toxins is a critical step towards creating healthier and happier families, communities, and ultimately a better planet. And that starts right here, right now. Let's dive into today's show. Before I dive in, I'd like to take a moment to thank Apple Podcast listener Itch Lieb Deech. I don't know if that was just a compilation of letters or if it means something to you, but whoever you are, thank you so much for your five-star rating and review. They wrote, I'm so grateful to have come across this podcast. Since after I listened to the first episode, I have been ravenously going through each interesting topic. All of the topics covered are issues that we hold near and dear to us in our household. Emma is doing an excellent job at covering all of the recent data and research and disseminating the important information to us. Excellent work, Emma. I can't wait to see what else you have in store. Thank you so much for your kind words. I'm so glad that it is landing well for you. I really appreciate reading all of your reviews. If you have been enjoying the show too, I would love for you to scroll down within the Apple Podcasts app and give your own five-star rating and written review. It helps others find the show and is a simple way you can show support for my work. All right, let's talk about proof when it comes to toxins. The problem with looking for proof is that I don't think it's actually what we need to make decisions. We make decisions all the time with no proof, but we have enough information that we believe something will make our lives better. 
I think the reality is we aren't looking for proof so much as we're looking for validation. Validation that the way we see the world is right. Validation that we aren't making mistakes. And this is not always intentional. It's actually ingrained into us to be averse to change. Back in the day, what we didn't know, like what berry was poisonous or not, could literally kill us. And our brains are pretty much the same now. They're trying to keep us safe and in a zone of what we know. And we usually don't know this is happening. It's in our subconscious mind, which is trying to help us even if it's not really helping at all. And so looking for proof can be one of the traps we fall into when we don't really want to make changes. And look, I'm not separating myself from this before you think I'm coming across as holier than thou. I've totally been there. My personal journey in creating a healthier home started with my search for proof. I wanted to find proof that toxins didn't matter after half-heartedly trying to reduce them in my home for years before having my second kid. But what I've come to know now is there's actually no such thing as scientific proof. Science works based on evidence. There's no way that science can be proven because that would mean it will never change. Math can be proven. One plus one will always be two. Science, on the other hand, relies on evidence. Remember, it was once thought that the earth was flat because the evidence at the time suggested that was true. And so it was held as a truth. We have since gained new evidence that tells us we were wrong and that the earth is in fact round. The quality of evidence that suggests a scientific theory can range from poor to good. But there is always the possibility that the evidence and therefore scientific consensus can change. And when it comes to toxins, the science is changing at an astonishing pace. One example of this that I think is one of the cornerstones of the movement that tries to debunk environmental toxins as being a problem is the theory that the dose makes the poison. It stems from a 16th century philosophy that an otherwise toxic substance isn't harmful below certain thresholds. And it's considered to be a fairly solid theory in toxicology that's still used today. However, most recently, scientists have found that certain chemicals do not behave in this way, meaning they don't behave linearly. Some cause more harm at low concentrations than at higher amounts. So while the dose does matter, it's not as simple as saying higher doses equates to higher risk, particularly when it comes to hormone disrupting chemicals. The research around hormone disruptors is relatively new in the grand scheme of things and has been mounting in the past few decades. Is it concerning? Absolutely. Is it important? Yes. Many scientists argue that addressing hormone-disrupting chemicals is critical to our survival. And yet lobby groups, industry, governments, and people who are resistant to change cling to the question, but is there proof? It's ironic, really, because these people are selective with where they demand proof. Is there proof that hormone disruptors in our skincare, cleaners, dust, food, etc. are not causing lasting harm? No the proof is not there. I think companies should at a minimum be required to provide quality evidence that their product is safe. I don't think this is too much to ask. And I'm not talking about the standard definition of safe, which we tend to think of as something that won't kill you if you're exposed to amounts below a certain threshold. Again, that dose makes the poison. And something that's looked at a lot in determining safety of products is the LD50, or the concentration 
of a chemical or a substance that kills 50% of the test subjects, usually rats or mice or something, at a certain concentration. Yes, that's important, but that should not be the only definition of safe. I'm talking about safe for the long-term health for us and the environment. And this is where where there's evidence that something may cause harm, I think we need to be adopting the precautionary principle, which means that we assume it does cause harm and continue studying to gather more data to build more evidence of harm versus safety, instead of assuming that something is safe until we mount enough evidence that it's not. Some will argue that obtaining this evidence of safety is too expensive or onerous, but I call BS. You know what's expensive and onerous? Fertility treatments, hospitalizations, a population with a declining IQ, environmental cleanup, reduced productivity, cancer treatments, living on daily medications, And while toxins aren't the only reason, these are all taking a very real toll on our finances, mental health, and future stability, they are certainly playing a very prominent role. History has told us again and again that introducing chemicals into our bodies and environment is an experiment that doesn't always work. So I ask, why aren't we looking at that evidence? The way that we are making decisions, typically looking at short-term rather than long-term impacts, is not working, and we are left to pick up the pieces sometimes a generation or two later. Some examples to put this into context for you. DuPont assured its workers and the community surrounding its Teflon manufacturing facility that the chemicals and effluent were safe. In 1981, their own scientists studied the umbilical cord blood of the workers' newborns and found that one of the chemicals used in the production of Teflon crossed the placenta. At that time, it was generally understood that the placenta protected the fetus from toxic chemicals, so this should have been a red flag, but they did not publish or report this finding. Research has since shown that children exposed to these PFAS chemicals in the womb and early infancy show lowered immune function, reduced immune responses to vaccinations, increased risk of obesity, and more. It turns out that the DuPont Teflon factory had contaminated the water around Parkersburg, West Virginia from the 1950s until the early 2000s, which ruined farms and families. For more on this, I highly recommend watching Dark Waters with Mark Ruffalo or the documentary version, The Devil We Know, on Netflix. I also talk about Teflon more in episode 25 about non-toxic cookware. In another example... Chemical lobby groups enabled a change in U.S. regulations in 1972 to require children's pajamas be flame retardant. At the time, they were treated with brominated tris. In 1977, so five years later, scientists warned that this could cause DNA damage and was probably absorbed through the skin. Brominated tris was then banned for use in children's sleepwear after government studies found that it could cause cancer and was in fact being absorbed through the skin. For five years, children were exposed to this carcinogen in their sleep, but it didn't stop there. Brominated tris was replaced with chlorinated tris. And guess what? 
it was found to also affect DNA. BPA or bisphenol A is another example that has been in use for over 60 years. It is commonly used to make polycarbonate plastic, a popular material for water bottles, baby bottles, and other hard plastics. In 2010, Canada made a move to ban it from baby products after research found that it leached from the plastic and was linked with hormone disruption. So now we're seeing BPA-free labels on everything but also the replacement of BPA with other bisphenols that are also showing the same hormone-disrupting properties, possibly at even lower concentrations. So this playbook happens again and again and again, and it's used by chemical manufacturers on repeat. The ideology that a substance is safe until proven otherwise leaves us constantly on the defense. We're playing whack-a-mole with a chemical-by-chemical assessment process that's done after they've been in circulation and in our bodies for years, and in some cases, decades. If you think about it, looking back at those examples, and there are more just like them, we're literally paying companies to put toxins in our bodies. And then again, we are forced to pay for the disaster it leaves in their wake. Whether it's healthcare costs or environmental cleanup, us as consumers are on the hook, and industry just moves on to its next play. And what's curious to me is that the big organizations are the first to complain about the expense of meeting more stringent regulations and safety measures. Yet they never seem to struggle to pony up the legal fees to fight regulations and people who claim to be harmed by their products. Now, to be clear, yes, I'm getting a bit ranty here, but I'm not anti-corporation or anti-chemistry. Both of these have tremendous power and opportunity to change the world for the better, but we've been allowing them to cause lasting harm for us and future generations, and this needs to change. I think it's time that we rethink our decision-making process and what kind of proof we are looking for before taking action. Because I can't tell you that there's solid 100% proof that your shampoo or mattress or water will give you cancer or allergies or cause some other sort of harm. I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that the ingredients found in what we eat, drink, breathe in, and put on our skin are cumulatively affecting our health. They are making us sicker and they're putting our kids' future at risk. This isn't fear-mongering. This is real and this is happening. I don't want you to be afraid of toxins. I want you to be aware of the very real impacts they're having on our lives. And then I want to help you feel empowered to tackle them confidently. I really believe that it's up to us as individuals, as families, as communities to take back the power. We are the reason companies make money. We are the reason governments get elected. We have a lot more power than we think. We just have to decide if we're willing to use it. There's a meme going around about choose your hard that resonates with me. So I'll leave you with this. Change is hard. Looking back in regret because you didn't change is hard. Choose your hard. Learning about toxins is hard. Dealing with health issues caused by toxins is hard. Choose your hard. So my challenge to you is to stop what is really a fool's errand trying to find scientific proof that toxins are causing harm before you act. Instead, look at the evidence of harm. It's there and it's growing. If you made it this far, thanks for sticking with me. I feel like it went a little bit all over the place, but I hope it gave you some food for thought and maybe a new way of approaching the search for quote-unquote proof. I can tell you toxins matter until I'm blue in the face, but at the end of the day, it's up to you to gather the evidence 
and make a decision about how you're going to act on it. If you're ready to act, I'm here to help. Check out my guides, courses, and programs on my website. You can find them at greenathome.ca. Join the Green Product Forum Facebook group so that you can see you're part of something bigger. Reach out through my website or DM me on Instagram. I'm at Emma underscore Green at Home if you're feeling overwhelmed. But know that you need to make some changes and I will be sure to point you in the right direction. This stuff matters and there is so much muddying the waters about whether we should be paying attention to toxins or not and it's distracting us from making the change that we need to make. Our children depend on it. So thanks for listening. I look forward to chatting with you again next week. I do hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to continue the conversation, I'd love to connect with you over in my free Facebook group. It's a great place to get feedback from over 4,000 super supportive members and where I share bonus trainings and content to help make your healthy home journey easier. Just type green product forum in the search bar in Facebook or head into the show notes where you'll find all the places you can find me online. Until next time, have a great day.